Okay, so I did say I would do a little Halloween extra special bonus material. And so what I'm going to do, because a lot of people think these are just so funny, is I'm going to read my Wattpad ship posts. Um, and by read them, I'm only going to read one now. And then if I finish the other one, because it's taken, I only write these when I'm like, you know, screwing around. So it's not like I'm keeping up with it. Um, I might put one out today and tomorrow. I might save one for Christmas. Ironically, the one I would be saving for Christmas would be more horror themed. So maybe it'll be Thanksgiving. I haven't decided, but I am going to read the Shrek and Paul Blart one, which you've heard some of in other episodes. People find this very funny for some reason. Well, I get it. I mean, it's stupid, but um, I thought I'd read that. That'll be your little special treat, your little your little Halloween treat. No tricks over here. Uh, yeah. And so I just wanted everyone to get something special. I kind of fell off a little bit with episodes and wanted to give you this extra one for October. Thanks, guys. Chapter one, Shrek and Paul Blart meet. It was a beautiful day and Shrek and Paul Blart had both started their new job as security at the local library. Shrek was very excited, as he had been out of work for many years after his fifth movie kept being delayed. Paul Blart was excited to add Library Cop to his resume after Mall Cop. Pretty soon, they heard a ruckus in the back. What could that be? asked Shrek. Paul Blart said nothing and played with the buttons on that Segway or whatever it's called that he has. A child was crying, and that nonsense was not going to go with Shrek. Shrek walked over to find J.K. Rowling forcibly gendering all of the reading materials. What do you think you're doing, roared Shrek. I'm protecting my children by making sure every single inanimate object in this library is set into a very rigid binary because I am fearful of things I don't get, protested JK. I genuinely do not know what her real name is. Shrek was a woke king, so he was not at all pleased with this behavior. He called Paul Blart over on his walkie-talkie to deal with this transgression. Paul Blart raced over on his Segway to take care of the situation as he always does. I will make sure that every book in this library goes by he or she, nothing in between, and nothing switches. I get the last word on all genders of all books, yelled JK, as she stomped her feet and threw multiple copies of the Babysitter's Club into the Born a Woman is a Woman category. Shrek is fe was fuming, and puffs of smoke came out of those antenna things on his head. Shrek was the true pacifist, or else he probably would have, like, tackled her or something. He wasn't sure, but he was about to throw hands. He knew that. Get out of my swamp, bellowed Shrek as the library reverberated in his mighty queer wrath. Blocked, you are blocked, screamed JK, realizing that this wasn't Twitter, and you can't just shout out the voices that make you feel bad about your loathsome behavior. No, you're blocked, retorted Paul Blart, pushing her out of the library with his segue and locking the door. Shrek was very moved by Paul Blart's show of solidarity in the manner. Matter. Oh my god. Shrek was so moved he slipped his number and swamp address into the cup holder of the segue that Paul Blart rides around on. Good thing for Shrek, Paul Blart loves onions. Chapter 2. Shrek Helps Mr. Darcy One day, while Shrek was walking in the park near a swamp, he ran into Mr. Darcy. He looked really sad and was selling gently used vapes to desperate middle schoolers. Mr. Darcy, aren't you supposed to be doing some sort of vague business in London? asked Shrek. 
Vague business in London is very bad, and my two lovers, Elizabeth and Mr. Bingley, are in some English town near a beach because we don't have proper mental health therapy, so we just suck up salt water air, replied Mr. Darcy. Shrek was very sad. He knew how hard things must be for Mr. Darcy, so he decided to buy all the vapes off of him to give away at the library to those in need. Mr. Darcy was so blessed that he cried and hugged Shrek, but that was too much affection for Shrek, so he politely moved him to the side. I hope this helps, said Shrek. It will. Now I can finally pay for us to have a harp so Elizabeth can play it while we sit around and stare at each other in the, like, 14 hours we would need electricity every day, said Mr. Darcy, excitement growing in his voice. And that sounded really awful and boring to Shrek, but Shrek was not one to judge, so he was happy for Mr. Darcy and his highly progressive and sexually fluid relationships back in England. Right as Shrek was walking home, he got a text from Paul Blart on his phone. Hey there, you Shrek-sy beast, it said. Shrek got all red in the face and put his phone away quickly. Shrek was a private guy, and he didn't like to look all sappy in public. Shrek tweeted back real quick, meet me at my swamp at seven. I'll light the earwax candles for you. I'll be there. Make sure to leave room for my part for me to park my segway replied paul blart shrek was very excited for this date and ran home to get ready chapter three the first date shrek was very nervous for their date he put on his best tunic and swamp leggings and made sure to wash his face with mud Shrek tidied up his shack by sweeping the dust around and putting on his favorite album of all time, Beyonce's Dangerously in Love. Shrek was really contemplating how the line, got me hoping you'll page me right now from Crazy in Love, made no sense to the new generation, and a single tear for the loss of Y2K slowly trickled down his cheek. Then the doorbell rang, and Shrek quickly turned off the music. Paul Blart rolled up, rolled up in his best free Britney crop top, which made Shrek's heart swoon. Shrek opened the door and welcomed Paul Blart into his home. The table was set for two, and Shrek lit the candles as Paul Blart sat down. The meal for tonight was four loco and a huge plate of every fast food nugget available. There was also a charcuterie board of flaming hot Cheetos, cool ranch Doritos, Twinkies, and those twirly cinnamon things from Taco Bell. Paul Blart almost passed out. They were all of his favorite foods. He couldn't believe it. He kicked himself for not bringing a ring because he knew that this was the ogre he needed to marry. Shrek put on his very Shrexy playlist of songs made famous by horrible American Idol auditions. Paul Blart started swaying to the beat of She Bangs when Shrek asked him a question. So, Paul, what do you like to do for fun? asked Shrek. Oh, I like to read modernist American literature, and when I am feeling rather insipid, I usually turn to English romanticism, replied Paul Blart. Shrek was feeling rather warm for his form after hearing such a sophisticated answer. Paul Blart was watching as Shrek clearly shifted in his seat and showed a sign of attraction towards Paul Blart. Well, that's quite a response. I wasn't ready for, said Shrek. Shrek, I want you to know I've only met you twice now, but I would literally have married you yesterday said Paul Blart, slowly climbing onto the table and crawling towards Shrek. Listen, I'm not some slut-shaming prude, but I want to at least finish the nuggets first. It's just smart to get well-fed and not get sick after exerting oneself, said Shrek, always sensible. Paul Blart was even more in love with Shrek after that and gladly ate his nuggets and four logos, dipping his nuggets in Chazon sauce, or however I spelled it wrong, I think. Paul Blart began realizing that Shrek also made sure not to buy any chicken from the local Chick-fil-A, because Shrek was a conscious consumer who cared about 
about social justice more than some tasty nuggets. Shrek, I just realized none of these nuggets are homophobic. That makes them all the tastier, said Paul Blart, reiterating everything he had just thought so that now you, the reader, had to read it twice and waste a pressish second or so of your life. Listen, Paul Blart, I only buy from above-board brutal capitalist fast food chains. That is something you can always count on me. Count on from me, Shrek replied, licking his invisible lips and gazing into Paul Blart's beady little eyes. They scarfed down the rest of the food, and then Shrek had a little mall cop-flavored dessert, if you know what I mean. It was delicious, and he knew he'd have it again. Chapter 4. Paul Blart Moves In The first date went so well that Shrek decided to keep asking Paul Blart on more dates. Paul Blart said yes because he was so taken with Shrek and his expansive swamp estate. Shrek decided to take Paul Blart on a nice date. The nicest place Shrek could think of in the whole entire world was the M&M store in New York City, which was easy to get to on the hyperspeed mode on Paul Blart's Segway. Shrek put on his favorite button-up because the M&M store warranted such professional wear and a kilt because Shrek was feeling a little edgy this evening. Paul Blart arrived to the swamp to pick up Shrek on a Segway in a three-piece suit and Shrek felt underdressed. However, Paul Blart gently took Shrek's hand and said, you look very Shrexy tonight. Shrek blushed and hopped onto the Segway. They made it to the M&M store in record time because Paul Blart was just so excited to be at that magical place. Shrek and Paul Blart touched all of the New York City themed plastic figurines and also tried all of the free samples. Shrek bought Paul Blart a heart-shaped candy thing that was available, and Paul Paul Blart paid the, like, 15-year-old employee to let Shrek eat the M&Ms out of the dispensers like a keg stand. Afterwards, Shrek took a photo with the green M&M Statue of Liberty because they are both green, and they thought that would be rather humorous later on. Paul Blart tried to slide down the giant pole in the center of the store but hurt himself, and so the really annoyed manager had to fill out an incident report, which was pretty embarrassing. But then Shrek slipped him a $20 bill, and that actually made the manager more mad, because at this point with inflation, $20 is a low-key joke. Shrek and Paul Blart decided to leave after that, and Shrek suggested they go to one of the many important nightclubs in the general New York City metropolitan area. Paul Blart got a very lusty look in his eyes and said, I think we should take it back to the swamp. Shrek got all hot and bothered and didn't know what to do. He also realized that he didn't like ever being away from Paul Blart, and so he decided to ask him a very important question. Paul Blart, Shrek began, would you like to move into the swamp with me? Paul Blart gasped. He was so taken aback, he didn't know what to do. But you only have one bed, Paul Blart blurted, Paul Blart blurted out. Wow, that was brutal. Well, duh, replied Shrek. We've been having sex for like five months. Why is that a shock? Paul Blart felt really stupid, but you never know what people are comfortable with. And Paul Blart also had self-esteem issues from dating that girl that was also in Glee that he met at the mall. Shrek understood this. As everyone knows, Shrek was an onion and had many layers, and one of those was irreversible attachment issues due to a problematic ogre parenting style that left him emotionally damaged and with severe trust issues. So what is the answer? Do you want to get into my swamp? asked Shrek. Paul Blart enthusiastically nodded, and then he jumped into Shrek's ogre arms, and they drove away on the Segway into the darkness because the sun had set like three hours ago. Sorry, folks, we're not getting that cliche scene. You can't have everything you want. Chapter 5. Shrek's Big Secret Everything was going super well in the swamp. 
Shrek and Paul Blart woke up every day and ate McDoubles, and then before bed every night, they ate whatever McDonald's breakfast sandwich is called. They did this because rules don't apply to Shrek and Paul Blart, and because it made Ronald McDonald mad, and Shrek had a long-standing feud with Ronald McDonald after he cheated on him with the Burger King mascot king. Things were going so well that Shrek realized he had never been happier, and that Paul Blart was the most perfect man in the world for him. So Shrek decided to go to the local jeweler and get Paul Blart a big fat diamond ring and ask him to marry him. Shrek brought the ring and was so excited to propose when one night he heard a scratching at his closet. He was confused as to what it was until he remembered he had locked Fiona in there after she completely lost her shit in 2016 when she fully realized that Aeropostale was really bankrupt and it was not a sick joke. He may sound like a monster, but this closet leads to Narnia, so Fiona can go get free therapy there because the American healthcare system is really messed up. So sometimes she comes back to scratch at the closet door, but really the whole marriage is over and the Shreklets went to live with Dragon and Donkey to apprentice as Masons. He also realized he never told Paul Blart his wife was locked in a closet and he was still married, which would make getting married to Paul Blart only possible in Utah in certain specific cases. He decided to fully explain the situation to Paul Blart but he wouldn't wake him to do it. So Shrek just went back to sleep and let Fiona scratch until she gave up and just fell asleep herself. The next morning, Paul Blart woke up earlier than Shrek had than Shrek and prepared him a special breakfast of eggs and tempa because Paul Blart had recently watched a documentary on the evils of the meat industry and wanted to cut back on the overall meat intake of him and Shrek's home. Shrek woke up to such a delicious feast that he started bawling, realizing the horrible thing he had to tell his darling Paul Blart. Paul Blart, before I devour this most scrumptious breakfast, I need to tell you something, started Shrek. No, Shrek, please let us have this glorious morning. I know this will be bad. I can tell by the uncontrollable wailing and sobbing you've been having for the last 20 minutes. Please just eat and we will have a wildly uncomfortable conversation later, Paul Blart said sternly. Shrek conceded, and they ate their breakfast super awkwardly and silently. After breakfast, Shrek decided to clean up so he could get him control of himself and because Paul Blart needed to shower because he was a wildly messy cook. After everything was cleaned up, Shrek saw, sat Paul Blart on their snail skin love seat. Paul Blart, before I start, I need you to know our closet can take you to Narnia, said Shrek. Are you freaking serious, asked Paul Blart. Why the hell would I make that up, retorted Shrek. True, that's a pretty hard lie to fabricate. No child or adult has ever thought to lie about their closet leading to Narnia. You're so wise and honest, Shrek, said Paul Blart in deep admiration. So I had this wife, Fiona. We were married for a while and had these triplets. And one day she completely lost her shit after Aeropostale went bankrupt and I didn't know what to do, began Shrek. Damn, that's crazy, said Paul Blart. Let me finish. So I was distraught because mental health therapy is not covered. Um, due to the fact that hysterical reactions to tween fashion corporations going under is considered a pre-existing condition for women in our health care plan. So I decided to ignore the situation and start reading the Bronte sisters' work, Shrek continued. A wise decision, said Paul Blart. Paul Blart, I swear to God, if you interrupt me one more time, I will jump across this room and you will know I am alive. Anyways, so I was reading Jane Eyre and I got to that part where Mr. Rochester locks his crazy ass wife in the attic and I was like, okay, a solution to my problem. Plus my closet leads to Narnia, so there is free therapy and Fiona can just like roam around and stuff. So one night I got my closest allies together, Mr. Clean and the brawny lumberjack man, and we tackled Fiona while she screamed about how she'd never get a built-in bra camisole again until she got, like she got at Aeropostale. We shoved her in the closet and all we heard was, hopefully they have Aeropostale here and the small hope was enough 
enough to calm her down, and she lives in the closet to this day. Shrek finished the story with a huff. Wow, said Paul Blart. Shrek, you are a genuine hero. However, you never mentioned a divorce. And, uh, well, Shrek, Shrek hung his head and sighed, staring at the floor. Shrek looked up to see Paul Blart literally had walked away because it got awkward. I mean, Shrek was like that for 20 minutes, and it was weird for Paul Blart to stare at him while he stared at the floor. So Shrek shrugged and moved on with his day while Paul Blart was doing whatever he started like 10 minutes ago. Chapter 6. J.K. Rowling versus Stephen King. Shrek and Paul Blart spent every minute of every day together because they both still worked at the library. Bet you th thought I forgot about that, lol. This would seem toxic and unhealthy, but it was fine because if they ever got overwhelmed with the presence of the other, they just locked themselves in the bathroom and did that Bloody Mary Kids Urban Legend game rhyme dealio, and that scared them enough that they didn't want to be alone anymore. One day, while they were protecting the local library from rapscallions, they heard a rather loud ruckus in the back. Shrek was busy organizing the dystopian vampiric erotica section, so Paul Blart went back to check it out. As Paul Blart rolled to the children's section, he gasped at the sight of Stephen King and J.K. Rowling in a wildly confusing wrestling match. Well, mud wrestling match. Sorry. What exactly is going on here, pellowed Paul Blart, slightly stroking his mustache. There was no response as J.K. was shoving Stephen King's face into a pile of mud, while Stephen King tried to beat her over the head with a copy of It. Paul Blart decided to just watch for a little bit, because when is the last time that anyone saw two iconic authors mud wrestling in a barely trafficked local library? By the time Paul Blart felt that it had been enough, Shrek was barreling to the children's section and the scene of the incident. What are you doing in my swamp with another swamp? Shrek wailed. You said get out of your swamp last time, so I figured I'd bring a swamp of my own, replied J.K. Rowling. For someone who has literally made billions of dollars off a series of books, that was a really shitty comeback, said Paul Blark. How did they get past us, asked Shrek, realizing there may have been a breach of security. I have a key to the back entrance of every library in America, answered Stephen King. Oh, that's reasonable, Paul Blart responded with a nod. J.K. Rowling took some random stick and called it a wand and tried stabbing Stephen King. Wh Stephen King with it. While Stephen King was so stunned that a grown woman was using a literal stick she picked up outside to poke another adult with inside of a library that he was rendered paralyzed. As J.K. Rowling missed Stephen King's body with the wand for the pitiful fifth time in a row, Shrek decided that even J.K. Rowling deserved some relief from the horrific embarrassment and asked another question. Why is Stephen King here, and why are you wrestling in a pool of mud? Shrek questioned. Well, you see, it's simple, really. Stephen here disagreed with me in a magazine or something. I honestly can't remember, and that enraged me to the point where I felt I would beat him until he either failed to talk again or agreed with me, so I decided to rent a mud wrestling pit and bring it here to annoy you guys. After you kicked me out for protecting the children of your town from ideas that aren't mine, answered J.K. Rowling. That might be the stupidest thing I have ever heard, but I can accept it because it comes from someone who literally named a character Cho Chang and expected people not to find it offensive and tasteless, said Paul Blart, as he wiped some mud off of a copy of the Boxcar Children. To be fair, I wrote Rage and was kind of shocked when I got taken out of print, Stephen King contested. After considering the facts and honestly enjoying the two of the most physically dismal people trying to combat each other, Shrek and Paul Blart decided to just move them outside and let them sort it out because, frankly, they didn't care and it might attract some folks to come into the library. Before they left, Shrek made sure to offer them one of Mr. Darcy's gently used vapes, that's right, I remembered that one too, and shuffled them out of the library. However, Shrek did harbor a deal of resentment for J.K. Rowling and secretly stuck 40 trans women or women stickers on her car while she was distracted wrestling Stephen King. He snickered as she screamed at his handiwork and then used her preoccupation with ripping the stickers off to steal her credit card and donate to local trans rights groups. Shrek was, as they say, 
being gay and doing crimes. Paul Blart probably should have reported him, but he was honestly really into it in more ways than one. Chapter 7. Shrek Saves Paul Blart's Life so Shrek totally forgot that he had gotten that ring for Paul Blart, so he went down to the local government building to get a divorce. Hey, my wife Fiona, she is in Narnia for universal health care because of her severe mental breakdown after Aeropostale went bankrupt. Can I just divorce her or what? Shrek asked. Dude, do whatever you want. This place is run by Smurfs. It's a free-for-all, replied the worker, who himself was a Smurf. Okay, rad. What do I sign? Shrek asked. Just sign this piece of paper, and then Papa Smurf will come out and make you rub his beard, and then you should be all set, answered the Smurf. Wow, that is pretty easy. Thanks, man, Shrek said with a tone of relief. Shrek signed the paper and happily rubbed Papa Smurf's beard. Shrek was very happy that little blue calmness ran this part of his government, because Shrek is an open-minded person who understood the complexities of socialism and how it can benefit society as a whole. Shrek had a light pep to his step. I literally cringed writing this, but it's staying in, folks, as he walked home to his beloved Paul Blart. Shrek entered his swampy home to see his angelic Paul Blart sleeping on his couch. Shrek went to gently wake him up, but Paul Blart was not stirring. Then Shrek remembered that Paul Blart had the diabetes. Shrek sat Paul Blart up and then stuck a funnel in his mouth. He poured a steady stream of Fago into the funnel because he caught Paul Blart reading Homestuck one night, and he figured he might as well get him out of a diabetic coma in a way that really mattered to him. Paul Blart sputtered awake and got some of the Fago on Shrek, which was really sticky and gross, but Shrek didn't care because he was so worried for his Paul Blart. Shrek softly stroked back Paul Blart's comb over as Paul Blart fluttered his eyes, slowly centered himself to his surroundings. Shrek... What happened? Paul Blart slowly muttered out. You were in a diabetic coma, but I funneled Fago into your mouth to get your sugar levels higher, said Shrek, a concerned look on his face. Shrek, you, you saved my life, Paul Blart slowly replied, tears forming in his eyes. I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but I did help you out before emergency services were needed, Shrek retorted. No, Shrek, you don't understand. Once I pass out, it's very dangerous. I could have died, said Paul Blart, two tears softly falling down his face. Shrek hadn't realized. Shrek didn't know anything about the diabetes. All Shrek knew is that Paul Blart told him and the list he got off of WebMD. Shrek realized that in that moment, he could never live without Paul Blart. He would finally pop the question to him and he would make it very special. Paul Blart, let's get some dinner, stay in, watch movie, suggested Shrek. Sounds good to me, replied Paul Blart. Shrek and Paul Blart stayed in the swamp and had pizza Lunchables, which are the superior Lunchable. It was very convenient because Lunchables have the main meal, the drink, and the dessert, so they didn't have to make anything after such a scare as Paul Blart's diabetic coma. That night, Paul Blart and Shrek snuggled in bed and talked about their favorite guest celebrity chefs on the Today Show and slowly drifted off into a slumber. Chapter 8. Shrek Pops the Question. Shrek decided that the only way to truly show Paul Blart the depth of his love was through a wildly expensive vacation that had little sentimental or emotional meaning to them as a couple, but showed just how many green little papers Shrek was willing to dump on his man. Shrek decided the best place to take Paul Blart for this momentous event would be the Dashcon Paul Pit. Ball Pit. Dashcon Ball Pit. Repeat it. That's where they're getting engaged. Okay. Shrek paid $300 to buy the original ball pit from Dashcon, and then an additional $200 for the balls to be put in the pit. He was forced to Venmo the owners $100 because they apparently didn't have the funds to pay the storage unit housing the ball pit or something, and they were threatening to burn the ball pit, and so Shrek just bit the bullet and paid them that money. 
Shrek set up the scene beautifully. He stuck the ball pit in the middle of a large industrial-style room, complete with cement, large questionable pillars, and moody fluorescent lighting. He placed a little sticky note that said, Will you marry me? I'm one of the balls in the pit, and had the ring ready to go. Shrek wore a beautiful three-piece suit emblazoned with rhinestones up and down the jacket, and the phrase, God is a woman, emblazoned on the ass. Shrek turned on the most romantic song he knew, All Star by Smash Mouth, and put a trail of Pillsbury Crescent Rolls leading to the ball pit. <clears throat> Sorry. Shrek anxiously waited as Paul Blart opened the door, which took a bit of time because it was one of those, like, heavy-ass leaden doors that would literally kill you if they fell on you. Paul Blart was wearing his Mall Cop of the Year shirt under a smart and sensible sports jacket. Paul Blart had on skinny jeans because fat phobia is canceled and a pair of Doc Martens with Paisley design stitched into them. Paul Blart was looking, dare Shrek say, Shrexy. Paul Blart, Shrek quivered, you... You look absolutely amazing. I only like to look as amazing as you make me feel, Paul Blart said. Shrek blushed a deep red and then walked Paul Blart over to the ball pit. He slowly helped Paul Blart lower into the Dashcom ball pit and handed him a champagne glass of Mike's hard lemonade. Paul Blart thanked him with a small kiss on the hand. Soon after, Shrek got into the pit and pulled two perfectly cooked ham and cheese Hot Pockets out for a scrumptious dinner. Paul Blart was so overcome with joy, the smile could not be wiped off of his face. Paul Blart leaned over and gently kissed the top of Shrek's head, and Shrek decided the time was perfect. He picked up the ball that he thought said, Will you marry me? on it, but is horrified to realize that he had the wrong one. Amongst the many, many balls in the pit was the very one Shrek needed. Uh, Paul Blart, darling, I um, need to just dip into the ball pit for a bit, Shrek stuttered before diving headfirst into the infamous Dashcon ball pit. Paul Blart couldn't answer because he had his mouth around one of those cookies that they sell at every grocery store and they always are themed for the season somehow. They're sugar cookies, but thicker, and the frosting is distinct, and they always have sprinkles. If you don't know these cookies, you should get to know these cookies is all I'm saying. So anyways, Paul Blart had one of those, and because they are literally God's gift to grocery store cookies, Paul Blart was just savoring every bite and hoping for a tall glass of milk because those cookies suck every last drop of moisture in your mouth dry, but it's worth it for the cookie. Three run-on sentences later, Shrek was still swimming around this ball pit, and through his many travels, he found a bunch of wristbands and stuff left over from Dashcom. He also found tissues filled with the tears of dismayed Welcome to Night Vale fans and one piece of paper that said John Locke forever. Finally, as Shrek was about to lose hope, he saw it. It was as if the ball was glistening in the small shreds of fluorescent light that spilled through the ball pit. With tears in his ogre eyes, he grabbed the ball and whisked up to Paul Blart. Paul Blart. Paul Blart was snacking on the Little Debbie zebra cakes that Shrek had also bought for dessert. When Shrek emerged from the depths of the ball pit, Shrek relaxed next to Paul Blart, Paul Blart as he took his own zebra cake and bit it. Blech. Shrek, this is really wonderful, said Paul Blart. Paul Blart, you're wonderful, Shrek began. So wonderful, in fact, I have a question for you. Shrek handed Paul Blart the ball, and Paul Blart stared at it for a very long time. Shrek, what is that question? Paul Blart implored. Shrek sighed and turned the ball around so Paul Blart could read the question for himself. Paul Blart slightly gasped, and a small stream of tears started to flow down his face. He could barely see the words anymore, for the blur of tears had brought to his eyes, and he slowly looked up Shrek to see Shrek was crying, too. So, Shrek inquired. Paul Blart furiously shook his head yes, and Shrek wrapped him in a warm ogre embrace. Then Shrek took the special ring he had purchased for Paul Blart and gently slid it onto his finger. The ring was a yin-yang sign, but instead of black and white, it was green and white, because Shrek is green. Paul Blart was bawling now, and Shrek had one arm around his portly midriff. Hey, Shrek said, I have an idea. Oh, Paul Blart answered in between sniffles. You know, a lot of things happened to this ball pit, be it 
with it being the only real form of entertainment at DashCon. However, I don't think anyone uh, participated in adult activities in here, Shrek suggested, a single eyebrow raised. I mean, for $65 a ticket, they probably had other worries on their mind on top of having to give more money to keep the place open, Paul Blart answered absentmindedly. Shrek slowly moved his hand up Paul Blart's shirt, and then Paul Blart got the hint. Roughly 25 to 30 minutes later, the Dashcom ball pit was a new form of cursed, and it was not before that evening. And all That it was not before that evening. Also, Shrek and Paul Blart left and were super happy. Chapter 9. Shrek and Paul Blart pets at Rufus and Naked Mole Rat. After their engagement, Paul Blart was only able to maneuver on a Segway due to a variety of reasons. Well, it was really one reason, but it happened in a variety of ways and a remarkably short amount of time. Due to this physical issue, Paul Blart had to take the week off from the library to rest up and recuperate. Shrek was also a little sore, but nothing that would impede him from being a top-notch security guard over the library. While watching over the library, Shrek was excited to see his good friends Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable walk in. He hadn't seen them in ages, and he was always appreciating their matching, uh, always appreciated their matching outfits. Total couple goals. There, I got it out. All right, keep going. Hey there, Ron. Kim and Ron. Shrek exclaimed, a joyous ring to his words. Shrek, just the ogre we wanted to see, replied Ron. Oh, is that so? Shrek, resp- Shrek responded a touch quizzically. Yeah, we actually need a favor and we really trust you, said Kim. Well, whatever it is, I will try to do it for you, said Shrek. You see, it's our big anniversary coming up, year numero cinco, and we are going on a romantic cruise along Lake Ontario. While we are excited to go, unfortunately, our little man Rufus is not allowed on the pontoon boat that the cruise is held on. We need a good pet sitter, and you're the guy we're thinking of, explained Ron as he put an arm gently around Kim. Oh, when do you need this? Paul Blart and I would be happy to watch over Rufus, Shrek answered a grin on his face. Paul Blart, Kim asked. I totally forgot, said Shrek, putting his palm to his forehead. Paul Blart Blart and I, we just recently got engaged. We actually live together and everything. He works here. He's just home right now due to overexertion doing some chores around the house. Shrek finished the comment off with a wink that went over Kim and Ron's head. Oh, that's wonderful, Kim replied. So what's going on? So what you're saying is Paul Blart is home 24-7 this week, Ron commented. Uh, yeah, Shrek began. Ron... Did you wait last minute and need me to watch Rufus starting, you know, today? Huh, well, uh, Ron stammered as Kim broke in. Yes, but not due to Ron's, well, usual shenanigans, but because the skipper on the cruise wasn't answering our questions. As Kim finished saying this, Rufus burst out of Ron's bag and onto Shrek. His buck teeth glistened as he stared into Shrek's eyes pleadingly. Oh, Ron, it doesn't matter. Of course I'll do it, said Shrek in a warm and forgiving smile, a warm and forgiving smile shaping across his face. Kim and Ron left after a few more pleasantries, with Shrek in the promise that they would... Uh, I lost my spot and I had to pause. That they would come over and hear all about Paul Blart later. Shrek went home with Rufus in tow and was mulling over how to exactly explain their new companion to Paul Blart. Shrek didn't even know if Paul Blart liked animals, let alone a naked mole rat. Shrek entered the home and found Paul Blart sitting on an ice pack and applying coconut oil. Paul Blart was also, um... Not exactly dressed completely. Shrek knew he had to control himself, especially with how oddly sentient Rufus the Naked Mole Rat is. It was probably best just to have a chill week. 
Hey, Paul Blart, I have a little surprise for you, Shrek said weakly. Oh, hey there, Shrek. I think you gave me enough surprises this weekend, Paul Blart replied with a small yet suggestive chuckle. So, you know how most of my friends are also cartoons like me, said Shrek? Yes, Paul Blart answered. Well, my friends Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable are going on their anniversary weekend and they needed someone to pet sit, Shrek continued. Oh, that's great. I love pets, Paul Blart said enthusiastically. Well, this one is a little unique. It's a naked mole rat, Shrek said in a rushed huff of breath. Oh, how interesting. When do we get to watch this little guy? Paul Blart asked. Shrek stammered as he slowly took Rufus out of his bag. Paul Blart's eyes lit up with glee at the sight of the little fella. Paul Blart was actually a low-key naked mole rat expert after a short stint at college at trying to be a zoologist and was overwhelmed by the fact Rufus could see. Naked mole rats are generally blind, and Rufus may have been the only naked mole rat that was able to see, which was either a modern miracle or laziness on the part of the Kim Possible head writing staff. Shrek breathed a long sigh of relief as Paul Blart was enchanted by Rufus. He sat down next to Paul Blart and put an arm around him as they watched Rufus play together. The rest of the week was spent with Shrek leaving Paul Blart to happily be with Rufus at home, while Shrek kept the local library safe from potential threats and apparently iconic and wealthy writers with a strange vendetta against other iconic and wealthy writers. Chapter 10. Kim Possible and Shrek go on a double date. As promised, Shrek had Kim and Ron over for a double date when they stopped by the swamp to pick up Rufus. Rufus was sad to go. Rufus had gotten used to his burrito. Rufus had gotten to use his burrito making skills to make Paul Blart breakfast, and Paul Blart got to do endless high, yeah, highly ethical science experiments on Rufus. However, Rufus still was Ron's main man. It was more than happy to also go back home. Shrek introduced. Con- I keep just like putting letters together because I'm reading too fast. Okay. Shrek introduced Kim and Ron to Paul Blart, and Paul Blart was more than cordial and excited to meet some of Shrek's friends. Paul Blart wanted to make a good impression, so he wore one of the last male rompers to be sold. Kim and Ron were, of course, in matching outfits. Due to the recent vacation, these were Hawaiian shirts, but with jeans, because Lake Ontario is very cold and also filled with sewage that sometimes splashes up. Shrek set the table for a delicious meal of Domino's new vegan menu, which was, in fact, just the cardboard box. As everyone was gnawing at their portion of the cardboard, Shrek decided to start the conversation. So, how was the shores of Lake Ontario, Shrek inquired. It was really great. I got to turn off my phone and my secret agent machine that beeps whenever that one kid calls about stuff, answered Kim. I personally liked the waterfowl doused in sludge from years of corporate dumping and backdoor political handshaking that led to immense environmental and ecological damage. Ecological damage, Ron chimed in, a large grin on his face. It was overall very romantic, Kim responded. Shrek gently put his hand over Paul Blart's as Kim and Ron continued to Kim and Ron continued to chomp hungrily into the cardboard. So, how did you two meet? asked Ron, his mouth stuffed full of cardboard. Oh well, Shrek stuttered a touch, his face red. Well, we both work at the local library, and Shrek over here saved the library from an internationally notorious transphobe, said Paul Blart, beaming. Well, it wasn't just me. You swooped over to help, said Shrek, gazing into Paul Blart's eyes and maybe lowering the gaze just a little bit, too. Kim and Ron were grinning from ear to ear as they also met while on duty to protect a small town from comically villainous folk. The rest of the date, they chatted back and forth about what it was like to work with your partner, and also Shrek and Paul Blart ran by some wedding ideas with the couple. Kim and Ron left with Rufus, and then Paul Blart and Shrek had some alone time. Shrek, you know I really liked them. Why don't we ever hang out with any more of your friends, asked Paul Blart. Shrek quickly looked down, his face flushing. 
Shrek had serious issues letting others in, and it was hard to let people know about something as intimate as Paul Blart. Paul Blart instantly knew because he was emotionally competent and also because this sort of scene plays out in nearly every single slightly problematic romantic comedy that has ever graced the silver screen. Paul Blart gently went over to Shrek and put his arm on his shoulder. Why don't we just go to bed, Paul Blart said with a saucy grin. Yes, this physically hurt to write, but don't worry, it all goes in. Shrek smirked back and threatened to take Paul Blart out of work for another week, which, while funny and slightly suggestive, also was actually a really dangerous idea because even in a government-led program like the library, the unending march of capitalist takes, capitalism takes precedence and the chances of Paul Blart being fired were high if he were to miss more work. Chapter 11. Shrek and Paul Blart's Bachelor Party Shrek and Paul Blart were super excited to have a joint bachelor party. They both didn't know where to go or what to do, so they were very excited when they got a letter from Mr. Darcy saying they could crash at his place after the night and he would fly them out to England as a thank you for buying all of his vapes. Shrek and Paul Blart had never been out of the country, and they were thrilled to see all the great sights of England, like the Peck of... Peppa Pig theme park and the one random dinosaur museum that's in the northern part of the country, I think. Shrek and Paul Blart didn't believe in overuse of fossil fuels, so they sailed over on Mr. Darcy's private ship, and it made it in super quick time thanks to unnatural winds. When Shrek and Paul Blart made it to land, they were met by Mr. Bingley. How are you all? asked Mr. Bingley, dripping with politeness. We are good. Thank you for meeting us here at the dock, Shrek responded. Mr. Bingley was dressed in his typical Regency-era outfit, but with platform shoes to show he was ready to party, and with a pin that said R.A.P. Jane, as his former wife had passed away from being so boring it was impossible for her to continue living, and her heart just gave up. Shrek and Paul Blart were taken by horse and buggy, an environmentally friendly choice to Mr. Darcy's estate. They were greeted there by all of their friends, Mr. Clean, the brawny lumberjack man, Ron Stoppable, Hugh Neutron, Barry B. Benson, the cell phone salesman from Paul Blart's old mall, and everyone's favorite queer icon, the Babadook. The Motley crew were all sitting in the parlor and drinking bourbon and playing cards with only some candlelight to brighten their space. Elizabeth was in her room playing on her new harp courtesy of the vape sales and thinking of new comebacks for her inevitably, inevitable witty banter with Mr. Darcy, or whatever it is they do now that they are married. The Darcy and Bingley children were with some paid help somewhere, but no one really bothered to care, and I'm sure they are fine. So, what are we going to do tonight, boys? Paul Blart asked, clapping his hands far too loudly. Well, I was thinking a rousing game of cards and then maybe bet on a local cockfight, Mr. Darcy suggested. How about we don't do that, said everyone all at once. Well, do you like jazz, asked Barry P. Benson. The brawny lumberjack man rolled his eyes and asked, what if we went to a local local nightclub and just sat in the corner brooding. The Babadook stood up and sort of nodded his head slightly and bared his teeth. He was looking rather dashing in his top hat and everyone was too pleased with his fashion sense to really be terrified. After the Babadook did this, he sat down and slowly pointed to Shrek and Paul Blart. I think he's saying that you two get to choose, said Hugh Neutron. Shrek and Paul Blart didn't have any opinions, and since Mr. Darcy was still low-key hard up for cash, they decided to go to the Welcome Collection because it's free and really fucking weird. They all got into the Darcy Bingley stretch limousine-style carriage and started the drive, trot, the fuck if I know how you describe a carriage moving, but whatever. The Babadook was leering at all the fellow partygoers in the upper right-hand corner of the carriage, and everyone else was just looking out the window at London in the night. It was bustling with people and low levels of toxic fumes. They arrived at the Welcome Collection Museum, and they all hopped out, except for Barry B. Benson, who sort of zoomed out of the carriage and landed on Hugh Neutron's shoulder, as he was very pro-bee and conscious of the horrific reality of an endangered bee population to inhabitable life on Earth. They walked into the doors of a museum. 
and were greeted by eccentric art and a sprawling gift store. Paul Blart immediately inquired if the Welcome Collection had finally gotten a hold of James Charles's assless chaps from a Coachella, but unfortunately, they were still on display at the Tate Modern for their wearable art exhibit. Paul Blart was disappointed, but he knew that there would be other great stuff to see, like an 18th century chastity belt in Florence Nightingale's Mocking Sense, which I shit you not, are side by side in that museum, because I've been there. As they were going through the eclectic collection of basically whatever the hell Henry Welcome found interesting enough to purchase, the cell phone salesman from Paul Blart's old mall decided to sell one of his antique cell phones to the owners of the museum. He is willing to sell the cell phone for the price of 100 free minutes so that his daughter could pay for all of her minutes talking to her boyfriend. When the owner informed the cell phone salesman from Paul Blart's mall that today's cell phones don't use minutes like that anymore, the cell phone salesman from Paul Blart's mall broke down into a fetal position and had to be carried upstairs to the library in the museum by Mr. Clean, who also sanitized all of his cell phones for him as a courtesy. Mr. Bingley came over to the group with Mr. Darcy and Mr. Clean just to complete the Mr. Triad. I hate that. Okay. And let everyone know they're in for a treat. The man himself, Gordon Ramsay, had prepared a feast and he'd even made it with minimal swearing to keep it PG for Shrek and Paul Blart. Everyone was cheering and asking about the menu. Barry B. Benson wanted to know if there would be fresh pollen. Hugh Neutron wanted pie. The Babadook was interested in uncooked roadkill. And Paul Blart was looking to just get completely plastered and jump onto some karaoke like the miserable old days. They all clambered into the carriage and rode back to Mr. Darcy's mansion. They walked into the mansion to smell food burning and see Gordo tied up to a chair. And could it be? Was that? Was it really? It was. J.K. Rowling. Chapter 12. The Battle for Gordo. Everyone was aghast. Gordon Ramsay was being held for ransom or ramsium, lol. What could J.K. Rowling possibly want with Gordon Ramsay? Also, how did Gordo let J.K. Rowling overtake him? He seemed pretty toned from what everyone could gather, and you can't tell me that he wasn't giving her the tongue lashing of a lifetime. Shrek moved forward, always the hero, but Paul Blart held him back. This wasn't Paul Blart's first hostage situation, and he knew he was the only expert in the room. Surprised, are you? Rowling asked, a small yet rueful smirk on her face. I mean, to be honest, I'm more just annoyed. It's strip poker night, answered Mr. Bingley as Mr. Darsley turned and gave him an annoyed look. J.K. Rowling really didn't know how to answer, and everyone else got immediately sad because they realized they would really like to be eating some famous Gordon Ramsay dishes while playing strip poker. Mmm, said Gordon Ramsay, his voice muffled by the gag J.K. Rowling had put in his mouth. You're going to have to enunciate, Gordo. I can't understand you, said Hugh Neutron, earnestly and genuinely, as the intellectual gifts of his son did not genetically come from him or his side of the family, and therefore led to less than well thought out inquiries at times. Jesus Christ, Hugh, are you really that dense, replied the brawny lumberjack man, who did have quite the temper at times, and was growing agitated as he became hangry. Guys, we aren't going to overcome this fighting. We have to create a plan, said Ron Stoppable, who is a master at these situations. I think Paul Blart should be our leader because of Paul Blart and Ron should be our leaders because of their joint experience and because I am frankly rather lazy, said Barry B. Benson, the same bee who literally almost murdered the entire planet's vegetation to get out of his assigned duties and then literally only reversed it to impress a woman who was voiced by Renee Zellweger, of all people. J.K. Rowling rolled her eyes. You imbeciles realize I'm standing right here, she bellowed. Yeah, it's just that we truthfully don't care, Mr. Clean responded in a rare moment of complete and unadulterated sass. Gordon Ramsay started to sort of rock the chair he was tied to in an effort to break free. Of course, literally everyone in the room was watching, so it was pretty pointless, but it made it 
properly dramatic nonetheless. However, there was one person who seemed to be missing. One party member who hadn't really said anything. It wasn't the cell phone salesman from Paul Blart's mall. He was just busy recovering from his herring ordeal at the welcome collection. It wasn't everyone else invited. They all had at least one speaking line or small yet notated action in this chapter pretty much. As everyone was realizing there was one less member than before, the Babadook slowly crept up the corner of the room, his shadowing presence looming over J.K. Rowling, and as the low Babadook Duke slowly crept through the space, her skin began to cool and her face lost its color. Everyone else at the moment realized two very important and rather embarrassing things. The first was there was like eh, eight of them, give or take, and there was only one J.K. Rowling, and they still hadn't gotten Gordon Ramsay back. The second was that J.K. Rowling clearly had no weapons while they had ninja stars or whatever Ron Stoppable carries and Paul Blart's stun gun from the mall. Right as they just walked forward to untie Gordon Ramsay and let his show on the road, the Babadook swooped down and grabbed J.K. Rowling. To be honest, I can't remember what the Babadook did besides loom in the corner of the room and eat fresh animals in the basement at the end because I only watched the movie once due to the fact I can't handle the kids screaming. Like, seriously, that amount of screaming was completely unnecessary. We get it. The Babadook lives in your closet and follows you. Please, please just take his nanny and shut up, you little screaming boy. Therefore, I am just going to make shit up completely about what he does next. The Babadook wrapped his arms, hands around J.K. Rowling's mouth as everyone watched, mouths agape. He bore into her eyes and growled, I'm the fucking monster in your closet. Even I'm not a transphobe. Everyone gasped because that was a serious diss. And three of the partygoers immediately live tweeted the interaction. Of course, our Queen Dolly Parton replied to Shrek's tweet, Good one, Babadook. Always been a fan, which was very heartwarming and wildly confounding for everyone. After this, the Babadook flung J.K. Rowling out of the door and she landed in a conveniently placed muddle puddle that seemed to simply appear just for the comic relief and sense of overall justice. Everyone in the party immediately then went and untied Gordo, who instantly showered them with every single swear he could think of. Fortunately, though, because Gordo was a master chef and he knew that it could be any time everyone was back, he also had made a cold meal, so nothing was actually spoiled by the distraction of J.K. Rowling. The night ended exactly how it should. Everyone ate some delicious Gordon Ramsay dishes, such as mac and cheese filled with Cheetos. And just, or wouldn't it be Cheetos filled with mac and cheese? Whatever. And some delicious chocolate digestives mashed up with Jaffa cakes, which is actually a dessert they put in my college once, basically. It was a delight. Of course, they had an extra special dessert as they did get to play the game of strip poker. And everyone was super cool and consented to only strip to their knickers per the request of Mr. Bingley and Mr. Darsley, who did not wish to be scandalized. The Hangover. Oh, chapter 13. The Hangover, but plagiarized. The next morning, Shrek woke up on the roof with Paul Blart sprawled out on top of him. They just, they couldn't remember last night. It was a blur. They remembered up until strip poker started, and then nothing. Paul rolled off a Shrek and moaned. What happened, he mumbled, his mustache sticky with sweat and stale beer. I don't know, replied Shrek, stretching his arms and letting out a slow yawn. They decided the next best thing was to get up and get back into the house. They clambered down the stairs and into the home and found everyone else slowly awaking with similar looks of confusion. Does anyone know what happened? asked Mr. Clean, his head in his hands. No, but I do remember eating some great pie, Hugh Neutron answered. Mr. Darcy wiped some marzipan off his face with one hand and removed his other hand from Mr. Bingley. Mr. Bingley moaned and rolled over, his face flushed and marzipan all over his bare chest. What happened? Mr. Bingley inquired. I don't know, replied Mr. Darcy before sitting up and stretching. I think I think something was in our drinks, said the brawny lumberjack man as he got up off of Mr. Clean's lap and went over to get a drink of water. 
Who would have done that? Asked Barry P. Benson. Gordo, the Babadook slowly growled. It wasn't me. Ask that bloody children's author you threw across the room, Gordon Ramsay snapped. Oh, yeah, he's still there. Uh, the cell phone salesman from Paul Blart's mall was still so overwhelmed by smartphones that he was at risk of being sent in the Narnia closet with Fiona, and everyone else was continuing to moan and question what happened. That is, when Elizabeth Bennett strolled down to the parlor. Her name's Elizabeth Darcy because they're married, isn't it? Whatever. Fuck it. Well, 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 I see you all got my gift after your third round of strip poker, Elizabeth said rather smugly. What gift, said Mr. Darcy, annoyed but admittedly a little turned on. Mm, I think you know, said Elizabeth, her eyebrows slightly raised and her voice a touch more sultry. Mr. Darcy thought for a moment, and then Mr. Bingley rolled his eyes and slightly chuckled. Oh, Fitzwilliams, you always did know Elizabeth was good with the it. Restarting. Oh, Fitzwilliam, you always did know Elizabeth was good with the apothecary, said Mr. Bingley. Mr. Darty put Mr. Darty. Mr. Darcy put his palm to his forehead, and Elizabeth's face twisted into a smirk. What's going on? asked Shrek, getting annoyed that his own party was becoming a mystery. I think, started Paul Blart, as a liger burst out of ba- the bathroom and jumped onto the counter where the bourbon and playing cards were. Barry B. Benson flew away, and the Babadook slid under the couch. Shrek pushed Paul Blart behind him as Shrek was well-versed in working with animals. But Paul Blart, ever valiant, shoved his way next to Shrek. Hugh Neutron went to pet it, and that's when the liger snapped at his fingers, and Elizabeth realized she needed to get the situation under control. Oh, Plantagenet, do calm down, said Elizabeth, stroking the liger. I'm sorry you bought a liger when we barely had money for proper Victoria sponge, Mr. Darcy said indignantly. I don't actually know if people eat this regularly, but I am going off the Great British Bake Off where they all act like they do, so don't expect much. Oh, darling, I didn't buy it. Take a look at Charles if you want to know about that, Elizabeth retorted. Who's Charles? asked Mr. Clean, giving some serious sigh to Elizabeth, who he blamed for, well, just about everything. Oh, that's Mr. Bingley, answered the brawny lumberjack man. Always up to date with who's who in Regency Britain. Uh, Regency Britain. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Everyone turned to glare at Mr. Bingley as he curled into himself, his face quickly transforming to a bright red. I, um, I, Mr. Bingley stammered, not used to being the one in trouble in this little threesome he had created with Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy. Say it, the Babadook growled as he slowly crawled out from under the couch. Well, listen, I... Don't hold my liquor very well. We all know that, Mr. Bingley began. And when I do get a little uh, out of control and while I have lots of connections on the black market because all the vague business I do in London, I, well, I bought a liger on the black market and I have been hiding it in the basement. I must have let it up when I was indisposed last night. Everyone was aghast, and Mr. Darcy, again, was a little turned on. Mr. Bingley was clearly relieved, having gotten it off his chest, but still deeply uncomfortable with such a shameful admission. Oh, don't sweat it, Mr. Bingley. My son Jimbo is always bringing home little projects and murderous aliens all the time, exclaimed Hugh Neutron. Well, um, thank you, Mr. Bingley answered, his face returning to its normal porcelain white. Are you gentlemen done so I can get my estate back, said Elizabeth, her voice tinged with a smug repulsion of the men. Now, Elizabeth, Mr. Darcy scolded, standing up shakingly. Yes, Fitzwilliam, Elizabeth replied with a sly smile. Mr. Darcy became visibly flustered in that kind of way. But Paul Blart intervened. Elizabeth, we'll pack up. We don't want to ruin your home anymore, Paul Blart said gently. Elizabeth went to respond, and then realized she may have gone too far. She also realized this may have been more characteristic of Emma Woodhouse, but the author of this particular shit post hasn't read either of those books in three to five years, and therefore has blended them all together because she has two brain cells left, and both of them were used to order mozzarella sticks for dinner five minutes ago. Goodness, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know what got into me. Just 
please, in a show of true grace, don't like dox me on Twitter or something, said Elizabeth, her cheeks alight pink with embarrassment. Everyone accepted the apology. And because they really accepted its genuine nature, but because they were honestly tired of all of this, everyone accepted the apology. Not because they really accepted its genuine nature, but because they were honestly tired of all this and they heard the Tesco down the street had discount pastries that were pretty stoked to get. So everyone got up, quickly got dressed, and then walked down to get coffee and pastries while they made Elizabeth clean up their mess while the maids watched as a punishment for Elizabeth. Elizabeth cleaned up the mess while the maids watched. And because taking a stratified class structure and using it against someone is inherently satisfying and slightly funny. Chapter 14. Shrek and Paul Blart Celebrate 420 Day. Shrek and Paul Blart knew it would be really stupid to get married without celebrating a proper 420 day first. Everyone knows the basis of a good marriage is being able to weather a good 420 day. Shrek loves smoking because he was an ogre and everyone knows ogres rip cotton like it's nobody's business. However, Paul Blarton was kind of a square. But Shrek loved that because it made him feel like more of a badass. Paul Blart didn't want to smoke because of his lung health and increased risk of comorbid chronic illnesses due to his diabetes. So he decided he would eat some edibles. Shrek bought Paul Blart some special brownies and they went to the swamp to get blitzed and then have sex while Stanley Kubrick's classic 2001 A Space Odyssey played in the background. Shrek helped Paul Blart figure out how much to eat and Paul Blart ate a little more because he wanted to be edgy for Shrek. Shrek smoked a big fat blunt of sativa and chased that shit down with the cheapest Miller Lite available at the local 7-Eleven. Paul Blart started to get really zonked out about an hour and a half in and decided he would start admitting unsettling truths to Shrek before they got married. Hey, Shrek, Paul Blart said, shoving a mozzarella stick from Denny's into his mouth as he grabbed his meat, his meaty ogre hand. Hey, what's up? Shrek responded, his eyes a little glassy, but overall still able to give full consent to anything about to occur. I wanted you to know something, something that I think is really important, Paul Blart started. Back, how do I put this? Paul Blart, don't worry. It's just me, your fiance, Shrek, Shrek interrupted, giving Paul Blart's hand a gentle squeeze. Paul Blart sighed. Shrek, this isn't easy to tell you, but I think it needs to be told. Back in the day, when I was still finding myself, I didn't know what I wanted, so I experimented. And one of the things I really liked to experiment with was Five Nights at Freddy's erotic fan fiction, and I can't say I hated it. Jesus Christ, Paul Blart, what happened in between Paul Blart Mall Cop 1 and Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 that would cause any of that? Asked Shrek, alarmed and deeply unsettled. Well... You saw the hastily made exposition in the beginning of Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, where the directors and writers found any way to get rid of actors who would require a legitimate pay grade so they would lower production value on washed up Disney stars. I had gone through my second divorce, my daughter was going to college, and that kid from Wizards of Waverly Place was trying to date her because he was exploring his bisexuality, I guess, Paul Blart replied. Shrek took it all in. To be honest, Shrek had not seen Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 like most of America, and while he was watching it, he put in a copy of his favorite film, Random Encounters. <clears throat> Sorry, Random Encounters, as he was a big Meghan Markle fan before she married that ginger Brit. Shrek made a deep sigh and turned to Paul Blart. Paul Blart, while well, what you just told me is easily one of the worst things I've ever had to wrap my mind around, and I certainly can't unhear it. I guess I can't say anything because I used to troll MySpace Tom with photos of an edited photo of Scrooge McDuck jumping into that giant mountain of gold. But over Scrooge McDuck is Mark Zuckerberg, Shrek replied. Paul Blart shook his head slowly. MySpace Tom never deserved anything he ever got. This was certainly some immature behavior on Shrek's part, but he could accept it. Essentially, since Shrek accepted him. Paul Blart gave Shrek a soft kiss on the forehead and went to eat garlic bread that had been sitting out for nearly four hours. But hey, he's stoned. 
Now let's pop in that movie. Hale is waiting, Shrek said, a sly smile creeping up on his face. Hells yeah, said Paul Blart, throwing a hang 10 sign for absolutely no reason. Then Shrek and Paul Blart watched the movie and enjoyed a very satisfying coital experience. Chapter 15, the final chapter, Happily Ever After. Now that Paul Blart and Shrek had weathered a proper 420 day, it was time to get hitched, as they say. Paul Blart wore a men's proper, and Shrek had on his finest Phoebe Bridger skeleton jumpsuit. John Cena was jorts, you can't see me hat, sneakers, and nothing else. Danny DeVito was the flower girl, and he threw Doritos down the aisle in lieu of flowers. All of Shrek and Paul Blart's friends were there, and it was a beautiful ceremony. John Cena did his classic, you can't see me hand gesture, before pronouncing them ogre and mall cop. The reception was being held in Lord Farquaad's now vacated castle, and the decorations were all stolen from Paul Blart's mall. They were sitting down to a bountiful feast of Count Chocula and Lunchables. Right as Shrek and Paul Blart were feeding each other spoonfuls of Count Chocula for the first time, they heard a faint rumbling. Everyone looked up as J.K. Rowling burst in, driving a go-kart and screaming. J.K. arose from the vehicle and stared at everyone. This was her last stand. They could all feel it. The Babadook rose up and snarled. I thought I told you to leave long ago. J.K. Rowling threw her head back in a hearty laugh. The only person who can stop me now is Dolly Parton, and she is incapacitated because she is performing the entire United States government's job regarding the COVID vaccine. J.K. took out a wand, like a real one this time, and not just the stick she found outside the local library, and yelled a bunch of wizard shit from Harry Potter. Darkness overcame the room. And it was evident something really bad, so bad the author can't think of what it even is, that they all knew they were doomed. Just then, a a sliver of light and a faint giggle could be heard. Just the Teletubby sun baby came down and shot lasers out of its eyes. The lasers encompassed J.K. Rowling and sent her away. Uh, How? How did you do that? Stammered Paul Blart, who was clutching Shrek. Well, you see... I am the memes world equivalent to God, so I can do whatever I want, said the, said the Teletubby sun baby, glowing in the Lord Farquaad's, I almost said the church, Lord Farquaad's castle. Everyone just nodded their heads and went along with it because it was whatever at this point. Where did you send her? asked Shrek. Her favorite place in the world, Hogwarts. She's a wizard now, said the Teletubby sun baby, who then rose back up to the sky in a fit of giggles and was gone. Everyone accepted that what had just happened and happily scarfed down the rest of their food. The rest of the night was filled with dancing, unexpected musical numbers performed by the whole cast, and some beautiful harp playing by Elizabeth Bennet, thanks to the generous fate money Shrek had given so long ago. That night, Shrek crawled into bed with Paul Blart and wrapped a green ogre arm around him. Now on to happily ever after, Shrek said, as Paul Blart nestled into his chest and just smiled. The swamp was finally content. The... And...